Hello and welcome to the Green Book Commentaries. I'm Dr. Arthur Plessa. Episode 7, The Wet Specimen. During our previous episode, B.J. Palmer took us to Germany in order to conduct research into the comparative size of the spinal cord and neurocanal in life. This new idea had never been researched ever before in chiropractic or medicine. Up to the 1930s, anatomy texts only made two mentions of this topic. First, the brain and spinal cord shrink between 20 and 50 percent after a few hours following death. Second, post-mortem studies of the upper cervical cord revealed it to be as thick as a cigarette. In order to determine if a subluxation could affect the cord, BJ and the German medical team at the Deutsches Hygiene Museum secured a living human body and began dissection of the upper cervical region within five minutes of death. Without details given as to cause of death, we can only speculate how BJ and the team knew this patient was about to die. The results would rewrite our understanding of anatomy, confirm BJ's hypothesis, and act as the driving catalyst for opening the research clinic two years later in 1936. We begin our reading from volume 25, page 52. The wet, the specific subluxation wet specimen, skull, atlas, and axis, calvarium removed, transparency. This is not artificial, manufactured specimen. This is a natural, wet specimen put through the Spelteholtz method of dissolution, named after the man who developed this method, who is also the author of Spelteholtz Anatomy. The specimen was put through a series of chemical solutions taking approximately one year, in which bone materials were taken out, leaving animal matter. This still leaves original soft tissue shape, size, position, and contour. The Spelteholtz transparency dissolution process takes out inorganic material and leaves organic. This is the opposite to preparing an osseous specimen as in a skeleton. The purpose of preparing this specimen in this rare manner was to make transparent an occiput, atlas, and axis to reveal its subluxations exactly as in the living individual. Spinographs make possible the study of subluxations in living persons, which can be and are taken from every direction, except from above downward or below upward, that this specimen reveals. Specimen was taken from a body immediately, within five minutes, upon death, atlas being anchored to occiput, and axis anchored to atlas. Anchoring can be seen with catgut thread material at various places around occiput, atlas, and axis. <clears throat> See B.J. Palmer Chiropractic Clinic brochure. Upon being anchored, it was placed into solutions to dissolve out bone, to leave flesh, 
to make transparent for the purpose of showing an occipito-atlantal axial subluxation exactly as it was during life. The purpose of research is to investigate facts, denying diluting theories, compiling information which reveals true data. This accepts or rejects certain theories into a proof principle and certain practices as proof sound. Does man, when alive, carry a subluxation, such as the chiropractic principle and practice hypothecate? Does man, when alive, have a vertebral subluxation of atlas or axis, such as we think we have found by palpation? Or we think we interpret from shadows of spinographs? If so, where and how? To these questions, there is no positive answer. When man is dead, he is not alive. When he is alive, he is not dead. When he is alive, we rely on spinograph. When he is dead, we rely upon spinal column strong on cat gut, or dissection and its rigor mortis conclusions. It is easy to take bones, devoid of meat, and move them into a hypothetical subluxation, and affirm that such is what does exist in the living. It is easy to carve sections of anatomy from a cadaver, and affirm or deny vertebral subluxation. It is even possible to dissect specimens from bodies long dead after rigor mortis and contractured ligaments, etc., have pulled bones out of alignment, present them as subluxations, etc. None of these answer the researcher's question of whether there is or is not a vertebral subluxation in the living, and if so, where and how. The nearest approach to the positive position of researching facts is to take a person immediately after death, anchor bone to bone exactly as they were positioned in life, put them into immediate dissolution, making the specimen transparent so one can study actual condition after death as it was during life. This is what this specimen does. This specimen is the next to best connecting link as proof of atlas rotated wedge side slip subluxation. Palpation is largely conjectural. Spinographs are shadowgraphs of living subluxations, but they are of one direction or angle only. A to P, lateral or diagonal, being impossible to take from superior inferior. But here is a third dimension, superior inferior, transparent, visual subluxation, as it was in life, immediately after death. It reveals all directions simultaneously, transparently. There could be but one more step to proving proof, the living proof, and that we cannot have. Atlas is not only a left wedge side slip subluxation, looking at the specimen from superior to inferior, but is also in a rotation left transverse process of atlas is inferior and right transverse process is superior to a plane level line drawn across atlas. Looking at specimen from inferior to superior, the right transverse is immediately on a plane line to right mastoid. 
left transverse to the inferior of the apex of right mastoid process. Looking from side to inferior, the neural canal has been decreased in size and changed in shape by the moving of atlas to left from median anterior posterior line. Rotation of atlas on condyles is obvious, best seen from a lateral view looking downward upon specimen. The listing is AIL-left-low. No matter which side you study specimen, it can, be, it can best be seen in transparent values by placing a white sheet background on opposite side from that from which you are looking, throwing bright light onto background, reflect, reflecting light through specimen from rear. This is the first, and to our knowledge, the only specimen of its kind. It was made under specific instructions given while in Germany in 1934. We stipulated A. The specimen must be taken from the immediately dead body, not more than five minutes after. <clears throat> B. Osseous specimens must be immediately anchored in position they were before and at moment of death. C. Dissolution process must be carried on without interference or change of position of any segment. These instructions were carried out to the exactitude of scientific research work. Specimen was taken immediately following death, anchored at once, and prepared as you see it. The question is raised. Heat, ex heat expands, cold contracts, and shrinks. Why, in freezing this case, did not shrinkage take place sufficiently great to destroy objective you were seeking? Science Digest, April 1937, contains the answer. Quote, These quick frozen foods, based on the book, The Freezing Preparation of Fruits, Fruit Juices, and Vegetables, by Donald K. Tressler and Clifford F. Evers, all living things are built up of cells. In this respect, turkeys and strawberries and man himself are the same. Each cell is a microscopically minute walled unit in itself. When an article is frozen slowly, <clears throat> water is withdrawn from the protoplasm within the cells and forms large ice crystals between the cells. These crystals press against the cell walls and break them down. The living matter or protoplasm within the cells coagulates because of the loss of water. Quite different is the phenomenon which takes place with very rapid freezing. Only small crystals are formed, and these are in the interiors of the cells. They do not expand against the cell walls and break them. Everything that was in the turkey or the strawberry remains just as it was. When such a food is thawed, its structure remains essentially as it was frozen. When a quick frozen product is thawed, practically no water results. It is still shut up in the cells where it was originally, with all its suspended salts in place. This quick freezing of fruits and vegetables is a relatively new commercial development, which offers definite advantages to the consumer since it preserves taste, quality, and vitamin content of food almost indefinitely. 
there are a number of ways to accomplish quick freezing, or in more scientific terms, a rapid extraction of heat." End quote. The year was 1934, and any historian looking back could easily have said that it was one of BJ's best years of research and development. First, BJ's cord pressure hypothesis was proved to be true, according to the wet specimen project. The importance of this finding cannot be stressed enough, because if cord pressure in the upper cervical region is possible, then it leads to the next series of questions. What this eases could be caused by a subluxation of atlas or axis? <clears throat> the second major development that BJ produced was one of his best green books. Volume 18, The Subluxation Specific, The Adjustment Specific. This book would be the first where BJ espouses the upper cervical region as the only possible place a subluxation can occur. This is considered the progenitor of upper cervical chiropractic as it developed along its two branches, orthogonal and the articular models. Clearly, 1934 was a year BJ could have really treated himself to a high-class cigar. So, back to the research in Germany. Immediately following death, the occiput, atlas, axis, and cord were sawed out and quickly frozen using a method that preserved cell structure and displayed tissues as they were in life, preventing shrinkage or contracture. After dissolving inorganic matter, in other words the bone, what remained was the actual life-size spinal cord and surrounding tissues. This was set in a transparent glass block that allows the viewer to see from above down, looking through the rings of the foramen magnum, atlas, and axis. <clears throat> for those who want to see this marvel of science, just do an internet search for B.J. Palmer and the wet specimen. I'm certain you won't be disappointed. Now, for those chiropractors who take a vertex or base posterior x-ray view, You'll note how BJ said in this episode that prior to the wet specimen, it was impossible to view the upper cervical area from superior to inferior or inferior to superior. You'll have to remember, it was 1934. This view wasn't developed in it until 1936 by BJ Palmer Research Clinic chiropractor, Dr. Felix Bauer. It was this view that allowed the visualization of atlas rotation upon the condyles. The research project, first of its kind, was a tremendous success. It preserved in a lifelike state. BJ was even able to clearly analyze the specimen for a subluxation listing, atlas AIL left low. <clears throat> For those new to traditional upper cervical listings, allow me to shed some light. The first two letters in AIL are A and I. This refers to the position of the anterior tubercle of atlas on the lateral view. AI means atlas has subluxated anterior and inferior in relation to axis. The third letter, left or L, refers to the side of laterality, 
so that this atlas subluxated from center of spinal canal to the left. The suffix left low refers to the relative position of the occiput to atlas on the APOM view. In this case, occiput is low or inferior on the left. <clears throat> After reading the pages for this episode, I couldn't help but wonder where the wet specimen is now. It amazes me how something so important to chiropractic and the scientific community at large isn't kept on display for all to see and learn at Palmer College. It's probably in a box lost in someone's attic waiting for our diligent chiro picker, Todd Waters, to discover. In our next episode, BJ seeks to better understand how electrical energy worked in the nervous system. Does it flow through or over nerves, or is there another mechanism? To find this answer, BJ met with the experts in the field of electricity, Steinmetz, Marconi, and the Wizard of Menlo Park himself. We'll refresh our professional minds on the chiropractic principle and practice. And we'll touch on the time BJ admitted to being less educated than his medical counterpart, yet still comes out looking like the wiser man. This and more during our next episode of the Green Book Commentaries.